Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, shaping our finances is the topic of today. And over this uh, last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at shaping different aspects of our lives. So last week, we got a, a picture of the shape of fatherhood as um, Brad and uh, Keith and Colin came to share different aspects of fatherhood, the way that they have been uh, shaped in their lives and the way they hope to shape the lives of their own kids. Um, as I said, this week's about uh, shaping finances and I realised that as I look uh, through um, our gathering here today and realising there'll be a, another gathering online, we would hope that talking with such a, about finances in such a broad demographic can be a challenging thing because what we've got here and we've got those that still are coming to the end of uh, university studies and dreaming of the day when they'll get into the workforce and then start to earn some money themselves and to, to deal with their own finances. We've got people here um, that have got a young family, um, either with or without kids, um, with a house mortgage or renting. And so in the midst of these days, dealing with rising interest rates, uh, perhaps rising rents, um, for some mums that have taken time off to have a child to start to think about when is the right time, do I go back? into the into our workforce at all and how will that eventuate we've got others here getting close to the end of their working life starting to think about well we've got to make sure that our superannuation savings or other investments are there so that i can get through post uh, work life into those retirement years and we've got others here that are either uh, on the pension or self-funded retirees and their big goal is to make sure that their finances last as long as they do, perhaps a little bit longer. So in the midst of that, we've probably got a whole lot of other uh, different um, scenarios. So how can we talk about finances in a way where you think the Bible's got something to say about shaping my finances in the present age, today? It's interesting when we have a look at Scripture um, we can seem to get a couple of alternate views. I mean, there's the Goldilocks approach in the scripture, suggest enough approach or the just right approach. That was a prayer of a fellow called Agur in Proverbs uh, 30. And he said this, two things I ask of you, Lord. Oh, we haven't got any slides up there. I'm sorry about that. It's not going. Okay. We'll have a look. I'll get the slides out. You'll have to listen to me instead of just reading. Okay. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour the name of my God. Find that in Proverbs uh, chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. It sounds a little bit like the prayer that Goldilocks might have had, you know. I mean, Goldilocks went to the house of the three bears and she goes around, you know, the porridge, it's a bit too hot, you know, the, or it's a bit too cold, but this one is just right. You know, the bed, a little bit too hard. 
a little bit too soft, but I want this one just right. You can imagine Goldilocks praying a prayer like this about our finances. You know, not too much, Lord, so I disown you. Not too little, so I dishonour you. I want my finances just right. Now, I don't know about how your finances are balanced, but I find I've got to be a little bit more proactive about getting my finances just right. Then we can have another look at another passage of scripture which might talk to us about a minimalist approach. Um, in other words, um, there'll be people that quote uh, the Bible, a Bible, what they think is a Bible verse, and they'll say, uh, money is the root of all evil. But that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so the, the minimalists will grab hold of the scriptures and they'll start to say, poverty is more spiritual than prosperity. But there's nothing in Scripture that would tell us that poverty is more scriptural than prosperity. Even though page after page in the Scriptures tell us that God has a special heart, a special place in His heart for those who are poor and marginalised and disadvantaged. There's nothing great about being in poverty. And those minimalists would also say, but what about the account of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus say? Sell all you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. So the minimalists will grab hold of something like that. And certainly if God's asking you to go and dispose of all your assets, do it in obedience. But then we've got another view in Scripture which we might call the prosperity view. And this is the name and the climate um, part that will say, give, and it will be given to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. So here we've got three seemingly contradictory passages of Scripture, views of Scripture. But I believe we'll see today that they can all come together in a way. So the first thing to do is to recognise where our wealth comes from. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We don't own what we think we own. This is all God's. Everything in this world is the Lord's. He's just given it to us, entrusted it to us. And to remember, we should remember where it comes from. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his forefathers as it is today. So the first thing we need to do is to remember where our wealth comes from. The next thing we need to do is to remember that God gives us everything for our enjoyment. God gives us everything for our enjoyment. It's a passage in uh, Timothy that basically says that. God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Our God is a good God and God wants to bestow good things on us. That's great. Thanks, fellas. Sure, you're doing that as well, Mitch. You and Jeremy. Thank you. Fantastic. And I still need to learn the lesson 
that I need not feel guilty about what God has given me to enjoy. Uh, just earlier this year, Lynn and I were down at, uh, at Coogee Beach, staying in uh, a hotel down there for three days or so, and early in the morning, Pastor Seru rang. He was in Fiji at the time, preparing to go back to the Solomon Islands, and we were talking together about how he was going to get back there and the things that needed to be done and the expenses and all those things, and I realised how tight money is for him. And so Lynn and I then leave the hotel room and go down sit down there in the Crown Plaza at Coogee, overlooking Coogee Beach, having breakfast, and I developed this sense of guilt. And I, and I said to Lynn, I've just spoken to Pastor Seru. He's, he's you know, going back to the Solomons and look where we are. Look what we're enjoying. And then a verse from Proverbs 10.22 came to me. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And there was this release that came to me that I might enjoy the good things that God has given me. Sure, it comes with responsibilities. But for me to enjoy and for you to enjoy, be free to enjoy what God has given us. So a question for us today is, do I recognise that all I have comes from God? And as I'm taking hold of that, can I enjoy it? Give praise to God in the midst of all that. And then the third thing is that enjoyment is in the context of trust and generosity. In short, we're blessed to be a blessing. I want to go back to that, that verse from Timothy again and put the enjoyment that God has for us in the context of the whole verse, which puts it in real context. Command those who are rich, and let me say anyone in Australia is very rich, we have a look at our place in the world, anyone the Hills District of Australia with the education that most of us have are in the top few percent in our world in terms of the blessing of riches. But command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. So we're blessed to be a blessing and there are two things that are going to sap the enjoyment of the wealth that God gives us. And the first one is the arrogance of seeing ourselves as being self-made as having accomplished all this ourselves. And the second one is a selfish desire to hold on to what we've been blessed with rather than to freely share. Because both of those have us clinging to what we have and a deep-seated fear of losing it. And anxiety develops of what happens if I lose this? What if, what if, what if? God wants us to be free, to enjoy what we have, but to be trusting him as a source of what we enjoy. Many years ago, I had this client, we'll call him Mr Brown. Um, he'd be long dead now, this is about 30 years ago. But uh, Mr Brown was dead even before he was buried. And what I mean by that was this man had no 
no enjoyment in life. He had a lot of wealth. Even back 30-something years ago, he had many millions of dollars, which in today's terms is extremely wealthy. He was an extremely wealthy man. But his wealth provided him with no sense of enjoyment at all. He was trapped. He was trapped. And his, the, the, his entrapment illustrated itself with the way he just lived his life. And particularly in his attitude to his wife. They'd been married even at that stage for close on to 50 years. And yet all his investments were in his own name. And even though I'd spoken to him all those years ago about taking some of his investments and investing them in the life, in the name of his own wife so that they could share the tax burden and it would be better, he'd be saying, but she might take off with someone. She might go. And she would have got some of it anyway. But for him, he just couldn't come to the decision to put some of that in his own wife's name. He was trapped. And uh, it actually cost him his money, his marriage. His wife left him anyway. But there was no enjoyment. He had no understanding about the fact. Well, he had no understanding about who Jesus was, number one. But if, if he was a Christian, hopefully he wouldn't have lived like that. But no understanding that he would have been blessed by God to be a blessing. Without a relationship with God and without a generous spirit, there was no enjoyment of his wealth. And yet I've also had the privilege of seeing some Christians who understood and understand God's plan, who have given thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, um, of dollars every year away. So the check for us today is, is God developing a heart of generosity in me? Because generosity goes full circle. This really is our Bible reading, this one today, because it's a long passage. But this passage uh, from 2 Corinthians, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give you what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. If ever there is a picture of a positive side of money, this passage is it. Sowing generously, reaping generously, giving, doing it cheerfully. And the result is that God is glorified because of our generosity and because God in his generous generosity will keep that cycle going in our lives. Bob Letourneau, uh, known as R.G. Letourneau, uh, he, knew, he knew the experience of that revolving door of generosity. 
At one stage, he held 300 patents for all kinds of earth-moving equipment. He was an earth-mover, and he was, a, he was a dreamer and a designer of earth-moving equipment, the start of all the Caterpillar stuff way back there, all those years ago, and he knew what it was to dream and to invent, and he made a lot of money. And he was fond of saying, as God blessed him, he said, I shovel the money out, and God shovels it back, and God has a bigger shovel. I keep giving it out. God keeps blessing me. He's got this bigger shovel. Check for us. How has that cycle of generosity worked in my life? So where do we start? We start by being generous with what we have. People can often think, if only I had a little bit more, I'd start giving. If only I had a little bit more, I'd be able to be generous in these situations where I see so much need. But the scripture tells us whoever is faithful with little will be, a faith, will be faithful with much. So let's not talk in, uh, fall into the temptation of talking about what we would do if we just had a little bit more. Otherwise we become I, like Ivan being interviewed for membership of the Communist Party. And the party chief said to Ivan, Ivan, if you had a million dollars, would you give half of it to the state? Ivan said, certainly. Ivan, if you had 10,000 hectares, would you give half of it to the state? Without a doubt, said Ivan. Ivan, if you had two pairs of trousers, would you give one of them to the state? No way, said Ivan. party chief was perplexed. Why not? And Ivan said, because I have two pairs of trousers. <laughs> we can all talk about what we do. If we get a little bit more. But God calls us to start where we are. So question for us. Am I generous with what God has already given me? As, am I generous with what God has already given me? So where's the place to start with shaping our finances? Well, strangely enough, it's not with our money. It's not with our money. We start by giving ourselves it. It starts in our hearts. It's a heart change. As our heart changes, our attitude changes, our initiative changes, and our wallets become open for the kingdom initiatives. So we can live life as Christians. We can, we've been given to giving financially to kingdom initiatives. We can doing all those things, but it is not enough for us to, to pray and to pay. As Keith Green wrote in his song, to obey is better than sacrifice. God says, I don't need your money. I want your whole life. And that song, to obey is better than sacrifice, is, is based on uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22. And it's based on Saul's story of, uh, sorry, uh, the story of Saul's rejection as king. God gave Saul instructions to go and to completely destroy the Amalekites. Um, all the people, all the herds, to destroy everything. Sounds pretty gruesome, doesn't it? But instead, what did, what did Saul do? He and the army spared the king and the best of all the herds. He and the soldiers offered a sacrifice to God, but they kept back the best of the plunder. And the prophet Samuel said to Saul, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey 
is better than sacrifice, and a heed better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. What a sad commentary. God calls us to be obedient today. Friends, whatever your demographic, as you're sitting here, and all those different scenarios are painted earlier, there's a, a picture that all those three different seemingly opposing views from Scripture can come together. Because as we sow, as we sow and we meet the needs of others, God will generously bless us. And as we minimise life and the affluence of our own lives and share with others, we will end up as Agur prayed. That we won't have so much that we disown God and we won't have so little so that we're tempted to steal and so dishonour God. All those aspects of our lives are kept in balance. Friends, just before we pray, there might be some here that, that start to think about finances in a new way. You know, finances to you, when you've viewed it in the past, has been something almost secular that God wouldn't be interested. And, we, and you come here today and we sit here today and we think, well, this is a, a spiritual time. I'm coming to church. There's no segmentation in our lives like that. God created us to be spiritual beings. And if you're wanting to have um, some of our prayer team pray with you about different aspects of your life, even how you can take hold of life with Jesus, and have him guide you in each of the different ways we've talked about over these past weeks about how God wants to shape your life, including today with finances. We would count it a privilege to do that. So let's pray together. Now, Heavenly Father, we want to pray, um, praise and thank you for who you are. That Lord, uh, we don't segment our lives into things that are uh, financial or physical or emotional or relational and then spiritual sits out there as something else that Lord you created us to be spiritual beings and you called us Father to give all of ourselves to you who we are you've called us to follow you in obedience and even today, Father, as we've addressed these different aspects of our own finances, Lord, if there are things that you're wanting to, to say to us individually, Father, we would open our hearts today to hear from you, to make decisions in our lives. Perhaps it is to trust you with what we have. And even if we think we only have a little, still to be willing to share as we see needs around us. Father, we want to be people who are used by you to bring others to know you and to speak of the hope that we have because of the faith that we have rather than locking ourselves up in the fear of finances and what we may not have. So, Father, we give ourselves to you again today and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.